G'day, it's Matthew Cutler-Welsh here from Homestyle Green. I have been off the air for a while, but I am back. Uh, I've been busy working with my lovely wife and uh, her co-author, and they've been um, doing lots of podcasting on their uh, pretty popular podcast now called If Only They Told Me, which is all about all about parenting and relationships. Uh, some exciting stuff happening there as they work towards finishing off their book. And now they're pretty pretty well advanced in that process. So I am wanting to step back in the studio, as I've done this week, and bring you some more interviews about building, uh, building green and making healthy homes that don't cost the earth. And uh, I've had some good success recently contacting some architects and some designers and builders and some product uh, suppliers. So I'm excited to hopefully have a, a good string of uh, new episodes for this Homestyle Green podcast. I'm going to kick off uh, pretty quickly today because uh, I've got a long interview already recorded with Richard Buchanan, who is, uh, he works for um, BRE, which is the British, uh, Building Research Establishment in the UK. And he was involved in a project, um, which I'll let him explain what it's all about. Um, but it's pretty exciting stuff and highly relevant, I think, to some of the issues that are facing us here in Auckland and also in Christchurch at the moment, particularly around the idea of housing affordability. So here he is, uh, Richard Buchanan. Thanks for joining me on another episode. My name is Matthew Cutler-Welsh and this is Homestyle Green. And I'm talking today to Richard Buchanan. Hello, Richard. Hi there. Now, uh, this is, is a great call, actually, and um, thanks to modern technology. Richard, wh where are you at the moment? Uh, right now, I'm sitting in my living room in Watford, uh, just outside the U uh, London in the UK. Brilliant. So it's great to be talking to you um, via Skype from here in Auckland. Now, uh, Richard is uh, a Kiwi um, from, from the North Shore and is currently an Associate Director at BRE and also the founder of Green Building Consultancy and has a vast amount of experience um, primarily in the uh, commercial sector but is also involved a little bit in housing at the moment. So it's a brief introduction to you Richard but perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about who you are and, and, and what you've accomplished in the area of um, sustainable building. Sure. Um, so at the moment, as uh, Matthew said, I'm working for the BRE. I'm working in something called the Building Futures Group, and we look at uh, future construction and processes around green building and sustainability. Um, and before that, I was working for myself um, as a consultant uh, in project management and program management, looking very much at sustainability in the built environment. Um, and uh, Really looking at performance of buildings around uh, low energy um, and around a, I guess what we would define at the BRE as a fabric first approach. That is a passive approach to uh, making buildings uh, more energy efficient. Yep. And for those that aren't familiar with BRE, can you tell us a little bit about the organisation? It's quite huge and it's got various different arms to it. But if you were to sum all that up, how would you describe BRE as an organisation? Oh, it's a biggie. Um, I guess uh, BRE, which stands for the Building Research Establishment, was formerly a government body, formerly government arm. 
and it was privatized in 1997, spun out, um, and a trust was created, a charity for the BRE Trust. And underneath the BRE Trust are three distinctive companies. Uh, BRE Global, which many will know uh, is or may know that uh, they are responsible for BREAM or BREAM and other certifications. So they set that standard up and they administer it. Yeah. And then there's the BRE, which I where I sit in, which is effectively may, well, mainly consultancy and some testing. And it's a research-based consultancy, so we undertake lots of research. Yep. And then the third part of the BRE group is BRE Ventures Innovations around new technologies. Yep. Um, and all the profits from our three companies uh, go to the BRE Trust. Right. And then the BRE Trust funds research across the built environment. They fund 130 PhDs in the UK, wow. five university centres of excellence, um, and undertake a lot of joint research and government research as and, well, and European-wide research. And so under that context, does it remain as a, a not-for-profit organisation? It's not-for-profit ostensibly, but obviously the BRE consultancy side is we charge day rates like any other consultancy, but yeah, right. we focus only on the built environment. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of our, I guess our mantra that is, is leaving our indelible fingerprint on the world, on the built environment. Yeah. And a lot of what we do is about knowledge dissemination and knowledge transfer. Yeah, great. Uh, okay, so. let's uh, let's move back on to you. Um, certainly, that the BRE has been a very influential organisation, not just in the UK but also a across the world. Uh, indeed, it's a, it's it, a lot of the thinking around um, code for sustainable homes is, is shaped Homestar here in New Zealand, and and it, um, we often refer, I often refer back to that. Um, when I'm thinking about uh, credits and points within Homestar. So, um, yeah, there's some, there's some good links there. Um, Richard, what, what motivated you to take the path that you're on at the moment? Um, I guess it would have been about, ooh, it was about 1994, the first time we went to India. I spent some time there, and um, I was really struck, I guess, there about how Sustainability can impact a nation, I guess. Sustainable development, I was interested in that time. International development. And then in 1990, I came back to the UK. And then in 1999, I went to live there for a year. Right. Out there. Um, went and lived in Delhi for six months and then in Chennai in the south for six months. And I think it was seeing how people were, well, of course, recycling is, is taken to the ultimate, I guess, there. Right. But how people were living as well, it really struck me how fragile the world we live in and um, I'd already always been interested in the built environment um, and it was that I think that trip there or that year shaped my where I am now to be honest yeah right that's uh it's an interesting point because um when when people say sustainability India is not necessarily the first country that pops into my mind but no. when you mention when you mention recycling that that totally makes sense and I guess I'm pretty familiar with images of uh, usually children crawling over large refuse piles, picking out pieces to, to reuse. Um, yep. It, was it the, the, the social side as much as the, the construction side there that, that really shaped that thinking? It was, yeah, the community side, I think, as well, how they, I guess, treat each other in the community, um, right. how they look after the elderly. Um, all of that shaped me. Um, and also the state of their buildings, to be honest. I was involved there with some slum redevelopment. Um, and that I was very interested there how you could build affordable housing, you know, relatively to, to India, obviously, 
for those living in the slums. Um, and I was involved in that part in Delhi. Um, so that started to shape my thinking, I guess. Yeah. Um, from there, I went to Norway, lived there for a couple of years. Um, That's a bit and, of a contrast. <laughs> very, very much so. <laughs> um, but again, you know, a country similar, I guess, similar in size to New Zealand, a little bit, maybe yep. a little bit longer. Um, obviously blessed with many natural resources, especially oil and gas. Um, but very in tune with the environment and around the built environment there right. as well and how they build, um, especially after living in England where historically, you know, traditionally, I guess historically, not that good at building. Um, yep. Cold houses, damp houses. Um, and, and that, again, shaped me more, I think, as well. Yeah, right. Now, you mentioned um, affordability in there, and, of course, that's um, how our, our paths crossed just recently on a group discussion group uh, within LinkedIn talking about affordability. We've just been discussing that um, prior to this interview about how it's popping its head up as a big issue, certainly here in New Zealand, but there's quite a big affordability discussion going on in the U.S. and, and other parts of the world, so it's obviously a big issue everywhere um which is probably a good segue into one of the projects that i wanted to really pick up on today that you've you've worked on which is uh called aim c4 that's um, correct yeah so rather than me trying to explain it can you tell us a little bit about what the objective of aim c4 was okay <coughs> pardon me a little bit of history first um very very brief uh the bre in watford um has something called an innovation park um and that is a place where we work with some major house builders and developers to build, I guess, the home of the future. Um, yep. So under the Code for Sustainable Homes, um, if listeners don't know, it goes at the moment from three, level three to level six. Level three is effectively we're building regulation set. Um, and level four is a 25% improvement on level three. So um, level code, so so code three yep. is is basically what you'd have to build um, yep. legally, yeah. And build and code four, which is where a couple of years ago builders were looking to move to, yep. which is a twenty five percent improve was a twenty five percent improvement at that time on the building regulations. They wanted to know how they could build a code four house for the price of a code three house. Right. The, the, the building industry wanted to know that, or or be our... yeah. No, no, the building industry. So, really? Um, they, several of the house builders had built homes, test homes on our site. Yep. Um, and they had learned a lot from that process. But they came to us and said that, hold on, we'd like to take what we've done here in the innovation park and obviously we'd like to build out to that. We'd like to build a volume to Code 4 right. and Code 5. How do we do that for the same price as a Code 3 house? Yep. So basically, at the BRE, in conjunction with three major house builders here in the UK, um, approached the government with an, an idea yeah. um, to see if we could obtain more funding. Um, so the project in total was about £6 million, right. about half put in by government. And, and then in 2010, um, the BRE started managing this program. So what they did was they first of all, Brought the three house builders together, and these guys, well, these house builders had never worked together. They're, I'm sure, as in New Zealand, a fairly competitive industry. Yeah, yeah. Usually, they don't talk to each other. Yeah. Um, however, three of them just agreed to work together, 
And then we, first of all, set out and we did a PQQ first for the supply chain. So we basically um, sent out a questionnaire mm-hmm. um, to 300 supply chain on the supply chain, some which were already working with the builders and some which weren't. Yep. We went through that and we effectively built a new supply chain um, out of that 300 companies. We brought them into the BRE with the house builders. Uh, and we did a process, basically, an assessment of those companies. So we, first of all, did the initial questionnaire. Yeah. And we then did something called a sandpit, which effectively a brainstorming session. Right. Um, and um, we basically, I think there were about 80 in the first day-long event. Um, and then we went through how the agency forward work, you know, the, what we wanted to do, how we would achieve it. And then we broke those suppliers down into groups of 10 and 15. And they had to sit at a table, basically, and design a house in three hours. Wow. And so did you group uh, suppliers of different products together? Yep. Or were they the same yeah, products? There might be an architect on the table. There might be, a, a, it might be a builder on the table. But effectively, they had to effectively do a challenge. They had to, in three hours, they had to come up and they had to build a house, design a house. Right. And then they had to present their analysis to the panel. And that was made up of the three consortium members, which were Barrett Holmes, Chris Nicholson, and Stuart Milne, and also a company called H&H and the BRE. Right. Uh, and then... And these are all kind of house-building companies? House-building companies, yeah. Yep. So Barrett is a large house builder, as is Chris Nicholson and Stuart Milne. Stuart Milne are also actually a product-based company as well. Okay. Um, and then... So that was done. So the strongest contenders then were invited back for a second event. And then in 2010, 50 suppliers took part. Right. I mean, they were able to drill down the finer detail of each product and service and then split into their respective senior, their set of categories. And they gave a five-minute presentation. They were specific questions from their peers and technical experts. And then they were scored against a matrix, basically. Yeah. Um, and then um, they had to solve some key performance and process problems before being split into sort of four design construction teams. And then each was challenged to improve the overall, now something called SAP, the standard assessment procedure. Yeah. It's a sort of a, an energy system. Isn't it? So they had to improve the SAP rating of a given house to uh, achieve a 44% reduction in CO2 using their products assessed against SAP and affordability. So they had to refine their design again. So, um, and, and all this time, so this is quite a lot of time commitment for a, a supplier or a, yep. um, a builder. Presumably there was yep. a, a good incentive for them at the end of doing all this Most work. Definitely, yeah. The building regulations like the Building Code New Zealand, well, hopefully the Building Code New Zealand, is always being refined and, and improved. And um, there's a long-term goal, of course, in the UK by 2017-18 now, moving towards what they call a carbon zero house. So right. company was coming, um, and they wanted to be prepared for that. I, I don't think that's, uh, that's a small point, because that's uh, not far away um, oh. now, <laughs> and... That must be a pretty big driving force because uh, that is giving companies, uh, building companies, a 
a clear target to say at this point in time buildings have to be of this standard which i would imagine is um quite a lot different from code three a few years ago or, or just code you know building code compliant that's right yeah exactly so i mean I mean, there's there's six codes. There's six levels in code for sustainable homes. Level six, effectively, is meant to be zero carbon. Right. The difference between code five and code six and cost is actually quite significant. Right. So it's 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 um, increasing costs the further you go up the the chain. So it's easier to get from a three to a four than it is to get to a from a five to a six. That's right. And I mean, more and more, I think here, there's certainly a move away from. There's a lot more talk now about the performance gap. And we can have a chat maybe about that as well. Right. Um, but for AMC4, at any rate, it was about um, taking that approach, basically. So these companies work together. So once the new supply chain was built, then it was over two, three years, obviously, that was done. Um, they started to work on working with the house builders themselves. Right, right. So, the consortium effectively approach to building houses. Yeah. Um, and and end, can you can you jump to the, the the bottom line? What's what's been the end result? The end result is effectively what they've done. They've gone out and built um, seventeen homes, yep. code four for the price of a code three home. And now they're taking that experience and now they're building order code four and code five. In fact, to be honest. So it's been success in that they've they've achieved that goal of of building a home, but I guess more importantly, they've got a system now where they it's a repeatable process where they can carry on building at code right. four. That's right, and you know we work with them. We've got a big uh, team here who who do lean process. Uh, the BRE took lean out of manufacturing in two thousand and three, right? With government support, and then built a whole system around that for construction. Yeah, and they ran the program from two thousand and three to seven. Did about four hundred and fifty million pounds worth of projects with lean, right? And about the average return or average savings about fourteen percent. Wow. Across. Um. So, part of this AMC four, there was also a lot of lean processes in there as well. How and, to build. And how, so, so from that result, how much of how much attention is the rest of the building market? Um, paying to uh, to the results. Well, we've started to analyse the results recently. I mean, it's, I think it's been good to be honest. Um, I think we certainly, when we speak to house builders now, there's a lot more, uh, I guess, um, not, uh, I guess, I, well, I can't even think of the word to be honest. But uh, it's completely gone now. But I think other house builders have seen what's gone on, um, yep. and they've also learnt from that as well. I was with a house builder three weeks ago, another house builder, and they were already building at Code 5. Right. Quite a and, so my, looking and this, this was a company that wasn't involved in, in the, in the uh, AMC4 project? Yeah, that's right. They weren't involved, but saw what was going on, and from that took a lead and said, we should do something ourselves with this as well. Yeah, right. They're, they themselves are now building at Code 5. Um, as standard? Now, yeah, standard. Now moving beyond that to... Um, looking at Passive House, which of course right. is the German, yeah, uh, which yeah. we're all the BRE. Can you give us an idea of what a, a Code 4 and perhaps Code 5 looks like? What, what sort of things would it have? Well, I mean, Code 3 is building regulations. Yep. 
Code 4 is 25% increase on building regulations. And I think Code 5 is probably 100% increase on building regulations. Right. Uh, code, the codes, or if people aren't aware, there's nine design categories in, in the code. There's energy, uh, water, there's consumption. Yeah. Materials, like the embodied environmental impacts of construction materials. There's surface water runoff. So that's the result of the development. Yeah. Waste. Which is generated as a result of the construction and recycling of domestic waste in the home. Yeah. Pollution. Uh, seven is uh, health and well-being, and that's right. the effect that mine will have on the indoor environment and on its, on its occupants. Yeah. Management, and that's steps that have been taken that allow for good management of environment, environmental impacts in the construction. Yeah. And then ecology. Sorry, and ecology. Ecology. Yeah. Yeah. So. Them are calculated on the points out of 100 across the nine categories, effectively. So, yep. as an example, a level three house um, in energy, um, the energy points award will be around 5.8. Right. Okay. And water, 4.5. And so that would get a very good rate in eco home rating. So, basically, level three. Basically, you need 57 points to meet compliance. Okay. And so what sort of um, real features, if, if, if the consumer didn't really know much about um, the code, but you know, just like looking at pretty houses, what sort of things would they see that are different, um, like solar panels, um, different sort of glazing? There were renewables. There's only, the renewables only start really at code six. Oh, okay. So it's an entirely fabric-first approach. Right. Fabric as an insulation, um, as in you know, double glazing. Um, any any particular type of double glazing? Um, oh, you've got me now. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, double glazing. I don't think low E possibly, but I, I come back to you for that as well. Right, we can clarify. But um, so it's more about the the envelope of the building and the structure, and, and I like that term um, fabric fabric first. So you're really saying, I guess, what can you do to to stop heat escaping and to to use water sensibly without having to add things that um, like generate electricity or uh, do, do people have rainwater tanks and rainwater collection? Um, only very recently. Only right. Really so would that be more about um, having more efficient taps and, and fittings inside the home? Yep, yep, toilets and, and baths, showers and not baths, et cetera. Right, yep. LOE has always pushed the fabric first, so do as much as you can the fabric side. Yep. As, you know, and then maybe look at mechanical ventilation heat recovery as a starter. Yeah. See where you are, and if you don't have to go any further, why go any further? Right, yep, sure. Um, cool. So, um, we could probably talk for a while about the differences between the housing stock in, in, in the UK and New Zealand. Uh, um, are there main things that jump out at you at, 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 from your experience and your knowledge of growing up here? What, what are some of the, the, the ones that stand out the most, do you think? Well, it's different. I mean, I mean, I guess the modern house, perhaps, um, I mean, I live in a Victorian mid-terrace cottage, so insulation is not great, um, here. Um, but I think it's still warmer, warmer than my sister's house in Auckland. Yeah. Um, so this was built in probably 1900. 
Yeah. Uh, it's still warmer than my sister's house in Auckland. And, and what's, the, what's the main reason for that? Well, we do have double glazing. Yeah. Um, 250 millimetres of insulation in the ceiling in the loft. Right. Obviously, we're a mid-terrace cottage, so we're not a detached house, and that's the big thing. So you've got a house uh, on either side of you attached to the... We have indeed. Yeah. Uh, which makes a difference, obviously. It's still yeah. not warm. It's slightly damp as well in the winter. Right. Um, I would say that the big difference here is around insulation and double glazing, I would have thought, over New Zealand. I mean... Yeah. And, and I... I, uh, I mean, how, how do people... What sort of people live in terrace houses in, in the UK? What sort of people? Yeah, mean, would they? Would it be would it be seen as sort of something that's pretty kind of low end of the uh, the ladder? Well, no. I mean, if you live in uh, if you live in central London, you're living in a square somewhere like I don't know, Berkeley Square. They are they are, they are terraced houses, and they cost you know eight, five, six, seven million pounds. Yeah, and I I don't think that's a small point either because um, terrace houses and and attached living does have a bit of a stigma. Um, here, uh, we, we we talked before about the, the desire of a lot of Kiwis to have the quarter acre section, and, and that's a, a very different lifestyle um, than uh, being in, a, in an attached house in a, in a sort of slightly higher density living. But there is obviously some efficiency gains in, in having a conditioned space adjacent to your um, house as well. That's right. I mean, and it's all about the space, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Space. Um, yeah. I mean, I look at Auckland now, it's become such a, a large city um, in kilometres-wise, sprawl, I guess urban sprawl you call it. Yep. Uh, but not that big a population. Yep, yep. And, and as we discussed, that's a, a big topic of uh, conversation right now is around affordability and greenfield development versus brownfield development. So no doubt that, that debate will uh, continue um, probably right up through through the next election, I would think. Hey, um, we're we're um, heading on for, uh, for for twenty minutes, so um, we're gonna have to uh, get to last couple of questions. What uh, I'm interested at the at the outset of the the AIM um, C4 project, what what was the biggest challenge in getting that started? I'll tell you what. It... <laughs> Interesting enough, I don't think from, from what we know at DRE, it wasn't that difficult. The again, it started because we were approached, that was the unusual thing, right? It was back of our innovation park, I think, which I said before, is a place where we've got some key homes which have been built, yeah. Uh, sort of are meant to push the envelope, as it were. Um, and they had had learned from that experience and said, Well, hold on, that's great, but how do we take that and then apply it to? The volume market. Yeah. So it was it, it was the the fact that the motivation was coming from the building sector. That's right. Exactly. Yep. And of course, in response to the building regulations and the change in the building regulations which are coming. Yeah. Right. Right. That so is. yeah, that's a I guess a pretty positive sign that a um, uh, an outside influence on the market has has pushed is starting to push the market in that direction. That's right. Um, so I don't think, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like the BRE was out saying, oh, we must do this, we must do this. It was in reaction to the work we'd already done with house builders on our site, building yep. a one-off five house or code six house. Yep. And then realized, hey, we've got to now get, up, get our game up. How do we do that? We should, we should do something now. Yeah, right. 
And I mean, one of the things that that happens here uh, a little bit is concern over raising the raising cost. And as soon as you say um, mention that we should improve standards of the housing, then an immediate argument against that is that we don't want to do anything that's going to increase the costs of building. Um, are there builders that are kind of reluctant or a bit grumpy about uh, having to change the way they do things? I think, I mean, if you'd asked me that four or five years ago before 2007, I would have said yes. I mean, there are always people who want to take the profit, you know, to build the house and get out. Yeah. I think since 2007, the recession, margins have become really tight here. They have to still comply with building regs. Um, and so they're looking at more efficient ways of building, and that right. includes things like construction and lean methods. Um, and at the same time, improve the outcome. That's right, yeah, yeah. I mean, affordability is still an issue in the UK, um, just like it is in New Zealand. It's protected with green belt here. It's very yeah. hard to build on green belt. Um, and there's a real affordability issue in the southeast of England where I live. Um, but at least there seems to be more of an engagement from house builders um, nowadays. Right. And a move actually towards building more houses now as well, rather than apartments. You know, they've been through a bit of a swing. They seem that there's more value in building a house. Right. Um, so, yeah, um, I think um, their margins are still tight, but we're still seeing positive, you know, and we're involved in some more new developments coming up now, myself at BRE, and uh, there's still some contractors and house builders are still seeing good profits. Yep. Yeah. And, and are consumers starting to demand the uh, higher code houses? And is that a, a common part of the vocabulary when people are looking in the real estate sector? Does everyone, do the general person on the street, do they understand code four, code five? Maybe not. You know, they may not. There's still quite a lot of education to do on the consumer side. But of right. course, we've got some deal which is coming out now. And we've had uh, the feed and tariff with PV and now. Renewable heat initiative, which will start soon around um, um, things like heat pumps. So there's incentives um, that people can take advantage of to to green or to you know increase their insulation to reduce their energy costs. And yep. obviously, prices here, like in New Zealand, are rising rapidly. Yep. Um, always issues around security of supply. Yeah. Um, there's as energy prices rise further, they're more of a drive for the consumer. Right, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, that, that's all very exciting stuff, Richard. And uh, it, it's great hearing stories of where uh, there's been success delivering uh, higher performance uh, at, a, at a lower cost like that, particularly when it's been driven by the industry itself, I think is, is fantastic. And I guess there's some, um, there's some good learning uh, from that. Uh, for for other countries as well, and um, I'm I'm hoping that that we can uh, have a look at that in more detail and and see what's applicable, certainly to the, in the New Zealand context and in other parts of the world as well. Um, and I know that that's just one of many projects that you yourself are involved in, and also of course the BRE uh, across all other sectors as well. So there's lots and lots of great stuff going on there. Um, I want to uh, to wrap up. Um, in, in closing, if you I've just got a bit of a scenario here, um, if, if you were asked to design uh, a building uh, and a showcase 
of an ideal home for an average family uh, in any location, but you had to deliver it at 20% lower than the current average, where would you do it for a start if you could choose anywhere in the world? And, and what would you do to get started? Ooh, yeah, interesting one, eh? I've always wanted to build in Auckland, to be honest. Uh, Have you? Yeah. It's quite nice here. I've <laughs> always been keen on something like a straw bar construction. Right. The natural construction method. We've got one on site, actually, that was built for £75,000. Wow. Uh, which was, you know, obviously not including land, uh, which was effectively a hemp construction. Um, that's, something I'd like, that's something I think it would be great to do in Auckland. And you think uh, you think it wouldn't wouldn't be too humid in Auckland for a straw bale house? Um, I think if you look at the foundations, uh, is what I've done some research on. Certainly, foundations are going to be uh, the biggest issue. Right. Um, um, I don't think I'd go as far as mud um, or rammed earth, but certainly straw bale interests me. Nice. Uh, whether it could be done, I mean, and we can talk about that at another time. But I, I would guess the New Zealand market's much more fragmented than it is here. Regarding house building, um, yeah. Well, it, yes and no, but um, yeah. No, discussion for another day. I think we won't get into the New Zealand building sector right now, but um, it is all interesting stuff. So, uh, straw bale house in Auckland. Yep, fabric, uh, and, yeah. Fabric. Sorry, Richard. Fabric first. Fabric. Fabric first. first. Yes, it's a great principle. And uh, my final question. What uh, what's working for you right now as a, a book or a resource or um, website that you're finding really useful for people who want to be involved in this sector and, and find out more? Well, I've been pretty much involved the last few months on the LinkedIn group, New Zealand Sustainability Professionals Networking Group, which I found very very good. Right. Um, a debate, I think, about the housework industry, certainly in New Zealand. Yep. Um, and. Uh, reading the sustainable sustainable field book, which is one of the ones I've got, and I can certainly give you details of that. Drop you a link. Yeah, that'd be great. That. We'll put a link up on on the site. So yeah, um, those are the two. Um, right. Yeah, I, I I would uh, I would second that as well. I think LinkedIn LinkedIn is is proving to be a very um, useful resource. There's some great discussion groups in there, and you mentioned the uh, New Zealand. Uh, sustainable professionals um, networks been some great conversations going on there recently so in fact that's how we we connected prior to this interview so um richard thank you very much for your for your time if uh if people want to find out more about bre and about aim c4 where can they go well i guess www.bre.co.uk is uh our website they might get lost a bit it's fairly fairly uh, comprehensive though. Right. Aim C4 is uh, www.aim, A I M C4, the uh, number four, yep. dot com. Dot and com. again, uh, that link on your, your I'll put I'll put the, both those links up and uh, uh, you, you flick me another a few other links of um, good examples of housing as well. So I'll, I'll post all those. That's great. Thank you very much for your time, Richard. Really appreciate that. And uh, we'll catch up again soon. Okay, thanks a lot, Matthew. Well, there you have it. There's Richard Buchanan all the way from the UK. And I found that conversation with Richard to be really inspiring at one level and um, surprising. I um, don't know if I'm surprised by it, but I guess pleasantly surprised about 
how far ahead some other places have got with with this stuff. If you had told me, if someone had told me uh, before that discussion that, or asked me how you could get six million pounds, uh, three million from industry and three million from government, to and a bunch of people to sit in in one room together and figure out how to make houses good houses and to build them more cheaply, I, I wouldn't have uh, believed that was possible. But that's exactly what has happened in the UK, and uh, that's a pretty amazing uh, progress, I think. And and I think a large part of that is having that goal that's pretty well set in stone now uh, about the um, carbon the carbon neutral goal by 2017. That's uh, only around the corner, really, in, in terms of building. So they really do need to, to get a wiggle on. And I, I think we can certainly learn something from that. Obviously, there are some differences in terms of scale and um, uh, different structure of the building industry. But that cooperation and um, people just getting their heads together and, and saying, right, guys, how do we figure all this out, uh, I think is, is an excellent model. Hey, that's enough from me for today. Uh, it's been a long episode, so thanks very much for listening in. Appreciate that. Um, would love for your comments. We're on Facebook, uh, Facebook at, uh, slash Homestyle Green. We're also on Google Plus now and, of course, at homestylegreen.com. And please do get in touch with me if you've got any questions or comments about the show. Comments at Homestyle Green. Thanks very much for listening and we'll catch up with you uh, in the next episode. Thank you.